0: This is the awkwardness of getting started thanks well good morning I want to thank you for worshiping with us online at First Baptist Church it's great to be behind the pulpit for the welcome it's great to have our worship team leading us in worship it's great for me to be able to see faces in the congregation from our worship team that are staying to hear me preach bless you guys thank you for for helping me out uh, what's more exciting is I know some of you are gathered together in homes, hopefully in groups of 10 or less, uh, per the uh, the suggestions. But, but I hope that you've gotten together and are able to share in worship with another family this morning. Now, if you would do me a favor, I want to see you worshiping in your small group together. Can you snap a picture of yourself and show it online on Facebook? Use that hashtag, FBCRLive, and it'd be great to start to see some faces together again. At the close of this service, I'm going to share with you some exciting news moving forward. I can't wait to unveil a little piece of what our plan is moving forward, and and I hope that there'll be some encouragement and some excitement that God is working things together to bring us back in His time in His house. Um, I want to remind you, if you want to get a copy of our bulletin this morning, you can do that on our website, FBCR Robinson. uh, I'm sorry, FBCRobinson.com. Slash resources. Now um, you can bring up our, our order of worship. Uh, the tap the sermon notes. You can get a detailed outline there as well. Uh, so I hope you'll take advantage of that. and And the ministry of the church continues. I can't tell you how exciting it is to see people in the building, even in small numbers. Again, and we're reminded of upcoming opportunities to serve. And I would ask you to continue to support First Baptist Church. Uh, you can do that by mailing your tithe and offering into the church. You can write a check, make it out to FBC Robinson. Uh, mail that in at your earliest convenience or you can give online fbcrobinson.com slash give. I want to thank you for your continued support and ask you to, to continue to think and pray about how you can serve our church in that way. I'm thankful to worship together. I hope that you'll worship with us sing out loud where you are I hope that you'll share in fellowship with one another and I pray as we keep safe we also are faithful to serve the God who saves us. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that we're taking steps in the direction to be together. And even as there are families that are are sitting next to other families this morning, we're excited about the prospect of just being with our church family. Lord, let us remember that even though we are scattered, we are, are unified. Lord, help us to honor first and foremost you and your word. But secondly, Lord, let us be faithful Uh, to to be good citizens. Lord, help us to be mindful of how you want us to serve you, and at the same time, uh, Lord, help us to find that balance and that wisdom to do so in a safe manner. Lord, lead us as we worship you this morning. Uh, Be in our living rooms, be in our our families, be in, in our presence, God, and let us serve you, worship you, study your word, fellowship together. It's in your name we pray, amen. Alright, so a caveat for you guys, this sermon's been planned for, I'm not doing this caveat for everyone, but been planned for about a month and a half, Um, so um, just know that um, uh, when I preached it in my basement earlier today, I was slinging sweat, and I'm normally toned down when there's a camera in front of me, but um, we're going to be looking at the balance between obeying the government and obeying God's (laughs) word, and so uh, I'm a little nervous to have people, quite honestly. Uh, in the presence uh, but um, uh, anyways that's my my caveat that you can cut that part out that's the blooper reel so oh let me get my notes pulled up here man you were quick i didn't even get to start preaching yet how, how many burgers did you bring No, but I did have, let me get my, my things pulled up here. I did have a uh, pastor today who told me he's on Fridays reading through the book of Mark while he's eating some takeout from a local business to support local businesses and share the word of God at the same time. I thought that was a weird thing to do, quite honestly, but hey, I could do it. I could eat a burger. All right. I need, uh, I need one more offer oh, an envelope here that'll work. You guys have no idea what it's like when there's an empty congregation and I'm trying to get everything together and how many times I start and I stop. Yep, I do. <laughs> you see the unedited version. Oh, come on, Hebrews, where are you at, Hebrews? That's right. That's, if I can get really bang on the pulpit. And, um <clears throat> All right, here we go. (laughs) Is it hot in here? It's hot. hot. I do. Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, we're going to be a couple of places this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 13 and in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, all of the verses that we'll be sharing will be on the screen. You can also follow along in your copy of God's Word. Or if you pull up our digital bulletin, you can tap on those sermon notes and you can see those scriptures in front of you as well. The, the title of this morning's message is God is in Control. God is in control of all things. And so this morning, as we look at God's control over over our lives, we're going to look at how God is moving throughout our current situation. If you're watching this live this morning, you're going to find this incredibly applicable to our situation. As you're studying the word of God with me this morning, I hope that you'll sit in the midst of a pandemic and say, Lord, how do you want me to apply this? But let me tell you, the truths of Scripture apply also a year from now or 10 years from now. And if you're going back in the archives and you're watching this message, you may not be in the middle of a pandemic. You may not have some of the same fears, but God's Word is going to teach us and remind us that He is in control. So I'm going to start by asking uh, since we are in 2020, we are in the midst of a pandemic, how is your stay at home going? How are you doing sheltering in place? Are you itching to get out? Have you found yourself a lot of extra time on your hands? I want to share with you a little bit about how my, how my stay at home has been. Uh, I've kept extremely busy. Uh, I've dealt with the transition of a two-year-old who was a sweet two-year-old to a terrible two-year-old in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, my girls have been angels, of course. For the most part, uh, we have we have enjoyed extra time together and only about seven, eight, nine hundred times have I heard. I love you, dad, but I'm sick of you. So uh, my stay at home has been well, I'm, I'm ready to get out. I want to share with you another little bit about how my stay at home has been. Um, I have learned that a party sized bag of peanut M&Ms has four hundred and thirty nine peanut m and in the bag. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, if you've got some extra time on your hand, you can give it a shot. There are, uh, surprisingly, only 36 orange in the entire bag, 39 red, 57 brown, 77 blue, 100 yellow, and 130 green, in case you were wondering. That's how my stay-at-home has been. I miss people. I'm not an introvert. I miss Walking and talking to people at the store. I miss my church family. I'm so thankful to have people that I'm preaching to, our, our praise team who's, who stayed for some unknown reason to hear a message in person. I miss seeing my family, my church family, and I can't wait until we can worship together. At the same time, it's been an incredibly humbling time, I think, for all of us. It's been some, some questions we've never had to answer before. As we've, as we've dealt with a pandemic that, that hasn't hit our country or our planet in in nearly or over a hundred years, we're asking ourselves questions that delve into the political, questions that delve into the spiritual, questions that delve into to what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And as we're asking all of these questions, I feel like I'm never getting Answers. I feel like I'm still confused over what the right thing to do is. And I find myself sitting back and acknowledging that I am not in control. But God is in control. So this morning we're going to look in Romans chapter 13 and Hebrews chapter 10 at a couple of different passages that seem to be at odds with each other. And I want to ask the question, are we doing the right thing? Are we worshiping at home and honoring God at the same time? Or, or should we have pushed a little harder? There's really kind of a, a pull back and forth between Romans 13 and Hebrews 10, 25 in a lot of people's minds. And so I want to I take some time and carefully study the Word of God together. And I don't want to focus on what's right and what's wrong. I want to focus on what the Word of God actually teaches us in these passages. And that is that God is in control. So for starters, I want to read Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 5 and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is in control of the government. God is in control of the government. Romans 13 verses 1 through 5 says this, "Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Paul goes on to write in, in Romans 13 about how we're supposed to be faithful to pay taxes and how we're supposed to, to understand that the government is, is not something that is out of God's control, but instead we read that God has placed government in authority over us. Really, Romans 13, 1-5 gives us an example of what civil obedience looks like. This is the the logic that Paul is writing in these verses. One, we know that God is in control of all things. Two, we know that government is a thing. And so therefore, Paul says, God is in control of the government. If he's in control of everything, that means that politician that you voted on or didn't vote on was put in office by God. Not by man's vote not by us casting lots, not by us giving our opinion, although all of those things are important, God ultimately decides all authority, according to verse 1, is appointed by God, whether you agree with them or whether you disagree with them. Verse 2 gives us a really stern warning. Verse 2 tells us that when we resist authority, we are in fact resisting God. Paul clearly lays out that disobedience to those in authority over us is disobedience to God himself. So Romans 13 is a perfect example of what it means to be civilly obedient to the governing authorities. Of course, that raises a question, and an appropriate question, especially now among many of you, and that is, is there a time to be civilly disobedient? Is there a time that we look at our governing authorities and say, Enough! We cannot faithfully obey that. I believe every single one of you believes there's a time that we we are to disobey what the government says. And I'll tell you why I think that, because every single one of you, for the most part, I won't say every one of you, but 99% of my audience is American. And you're thankful that 250 years ago, that we looked at the government as Americans and said, tyranny cannot stand. We're going to fight against and establish our own freedom. And that act of civil disobedience is why we're worshiping in a free country of America today. There's a time and a place, and we know this. So I'm going to talk briefly about what civil disobedience looks like and where that time and place is. We're not going to turn there for time's sake, but but write down, if you will, Daniel chapter 3 verses 17 and 18. And so as you're turning there and reading there, really the entire book of Daniel and especially chapter 3 gives us a, a great example of civil disobedience. The context of Daniel chapter 3 is three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are taken captive and told you must worship this idol. And they understand that God has called them to worship him alone. So even though their government is specifically saying bow down and worship, they look at King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, "We will not bow down. There's nothing you can do that will make us bend our knee." Notice that God is in control when the government is working for our good, but God is still in control when the government is working against us. Just because our authorities may ask us to violate his word does not mean that God is surprised or taken back. God is still in control. So when is it appropriate for us to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When is it appropriate for us to say, I will not follow your law? And the first principle is that we have to only be civilly disobedient when it violates God's clear command in Scripture. I have said from the very beginning, if they ever look and say we cannot worship as a church specifically because we're a church and they take away the freedom to worship the way God has called us to worship, just our worship, without applying it as a blanket statement to all groups, I will be the first one to call over to the jail and say, just so you know, we're going to worship. I've teased with the other pastors. They can do whatever they want, but I'm a little fearful because we're closest in proximity to where that jail cell is. When our governing authorities tell us not to obey God's word, we must, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, look those governing authorities in the eye and say, we will not cave. We will not bow. There's something very important to recognize about these three young men. The second principle of civil disobedience is not only that we will stand when the the authority makes us violate God's command, but we will willingly accept whatever consequences come. Notice Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not say, you're not throwing me in that fire. They looked at the king and said, even if God chooses not to save us, you can throw us into the fire because we won't bow. I think of Paul in the New Testament. I think of Peter and the apostles as they're preaching God's word and over and over and over again when they're told, don't preach the gospel. They over and over and over again defy authority and say, we can't help but share what God has put on our hearts. And they preach with passion and immediately they're thrown into jail. And what do they do in jail? They don't petition for a lawyer to try to get out. They praise God in the midst of the jail. This is the consequence you've given me, Lord. If I'm going to be civilly disobedient, I will take whatever consequence comes my way. There's a time and a place for civil disobedience. And when that time comes, when we're violating God's word, we must refuse to bow, refuse to cave, and be willing to accept whatever consequences comes with that. Faithfully, peacefully, peacefully and praisefully. Our second passage reminds us and helps us answer the question, are we in a time now of civil disobedience? Should we be in a time now of civil disobedience? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this second point down. God is in control of our church. He certainly is in control of our government, but that does not mean that in our time of worshiping separately, He's not still in control of our church body. And you can write next to that if you want. God is in control of First Baptist Church of Robinson, Illinois. Be as specific as you want. God is not surprised by this pandemic. i want to read Hebrews 10, 25 together. And I want to look at this command to meet together. I think it's an important command and one that that we need to have a clear understanding of what it means and what it says. Hebrews 10.25 says this, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a phrase we need to, to pay very close attention to, not neglecting meeting together. Can I tell you, It is a twist of Scripture to try to say that does not mean physically. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Don't neglect physically being together. That's why we have said for a long time, YouTube is a lousy church. However, the question then becomes, if we don't physically meet together, is it a sin? And the answer is Definitely yes, in many circumstances, but is it always a sin in every circumstance? And so I start thinking about this. How about nursing home residents who cannot get out? They can't physically be with their church. Are they in sin because they're not physically meeting together? Or how about someone in prison who comes to know the Lord, and they're going to be there for a long time, and they can't physically worship with another body of believers? Does that mean that they are in sin because they are not meeting physically together? Let me make this personal for your instance. What if you are sick? What if you're ill and we start to meet together again? I'm going to go ahead and tell you when we do, I'm going to ask you not to come to church and physically be with us. Are you in sin? How about when you're on vacation? You may pop into another church, but you're not part of your church body. Are you in sin because on a Sunday morning you're driving instead of worshiping? How about this one? Is one service more important than another? If you don't come on Wednesday night, are you in sin because a church is meeting and you're not physically present? I think in all of these circumstances, we would shake our head and say, no, of course not. There's a a time and a place where being physically present is certainly a mandate of Scripture. But we can already see some circumstances that you and I believe are inappropriate to physically be together. In practice, we we often willfully neglect this meeting together command. And there's only two options on how to interpret this passage. One is to say it's an absolute sin to miss any worship service because we're neglecting meeting together. But I feel option two is a more proper interpretation. And that's to say there are rare, and underline a word rare, there are rare but appropriate times to miss church. I think it's important that we see the entire context of Hebrews chapter 10 so that we can understand what this meeting together really is talking about. Not neglecting the the physical meeting together. When we're back as a church and things are healthy, if you choose to watch online instead of physically be with us, I think you're violating Hebrews 10.25. But what is the spirit of this passage? Let's look at verses 23 through 25 together. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." I want you to catch what the primary command of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 is. The meeting together is a secondary command. It's a command. Let's not ignore it. I'm not twisting it to say it's not a command. It's a command, but it's a secondary command to accomplish the primary command in verse 23. The primary command in verse 23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. This is the premise of this passage. Let us hold fast to our salvation. And the reason why we stir one another up in love and good works is so that we can hold fast to the confession of our hope. The reason why we meet together, why we gather together, is so we can hold fast to the confession of our hope. So the question is not, are we in church every single week? I would say, verse 25 would say, you should be. The question is not even whether you're physically here or not, primarily question is, are you standing firm in your salvation? Are you confident that God has saved you, loves you, cares for you? Are you living your life to reflect the fact that he's changed you? If so, demonstrate that by being in church when you can be in church. Demonstrate that by stirring up in love and good works. Demonstrate that the way the writer of Hebrews is calling us to. All of these commands are to help us accomplish this standing firm in the faith. As we start thinking about the context of Hebrews 10.23, not only is the primary command to hold fast, but this word neglecting carries a specific meaning of willful neglect. It's not a passive inability. That's why it is not a sin for a nursing home resident who cannot get out to stay at home instead of come to a worship service. It's not a sin with someone who has a runny nose and a high fever to stay at home instead of coming to a worship service. These are not willful neglecting of meeting together. This is a passive inability that Hebrews is not talking about. Finally, in the context of this verse, we understand the command is not for churches. I do believe there is a command for churches. I believe we should meet together, and I think the the example all throughout scripture is that a church should organize in such a way that people can come to worship, to take the ordinances, to fellowship and break bread, to pray, to spend time in the word. These are, these are examples all through the New Testament of what a church should be. But Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 is written to people, not organizations. This isn't a, a chapter that's telling us make sure you have worship services. It's telling us, make sure when there are worship services, you're there. The context helps us to see that this, this isn't a time to shake our fist and disobey. It's a time for us to be frustrated. I'm frustrated. I want you to know that. It's a time for us to be homesick. I can't wait to be back with my church family. It's a time for us certainly to to pray and yearn and long, but it's also a time to set an example of of faithfulness to God and demonstrating that he's in control. As we kind of wrap up this look at Hebrews chapter 10, I think of examples from other Christians around the world outside of this pandemic. How many Christians are meeting in a normal time so that they're, they're not able to physically gather together in the groups that we would think about? We visit our missionaries in San Francisco. They have no church building. They can't afford it. They meet in houses, in homes, three, four, five, six of them at a time. We have another missionary in China. They can't have a service publicly without registering it with the government and having to sacrifice their faithfulness. They meet in secret in what they call underground churches in small groups, unable to gather together the way you and I do. I think of those that we've mentioned before. We stream our services Uh, Online, And so there may be people in prisons or in nursing homes that are unable to physically gather together, but watch where they can watch. We see examples all around us that the meeting together is not always a physical in the building of the church. The purpose of the church is best met when the people are physically gathered. But I believe this is a unique time of separation. And I'm thankful for your faithfulness to continue to serve God even while we're apart. As we put this as an application this morning, I want to ask just three three questions. I want to ask, are you are you part of God's church and his family? Do you make it a priority to worship together? Do you make it a priority to be committed in membership to a church? And then most importantly, Are you part of God's family? Have you allowed Him to adopt you as a son or a daughter? God is in control, even in the most difficult times. And even here and now, as we we long for each other, I'm thankful that we can faithfully and obediently honor God by honoring the commands of our government and honoring the commands of Scripture. Will you pray with me? Father, You are good in all circumstances. Lord, I thank you that you're in control because quite honestly, it's scary that I'm not. I want to know what's going to happen and I want to have all the answers. So Lord, I thank you that since I don't have them, that someone greater than me does. Lord, I thank you for being in control of our governing authorities. Lord, I know that there are decisions that are made I don't like and decisions that are made that I do like. Father, I I trust that you're in control. Lord, I thank you that you're in control of our church. I thank you that you're, you're growing us in unique ways. I thank you for the leadership of First Baptist. Lord, I thank you for the small group teachers who continue to faithfully invest in their, their groups. Lord, I thank you for our deacons who pray and meditate on how to serve. Lord, I thank you for our church families who are gathered with family members and leading in worship. Lord, I thank you that you're in control of our church. Lord, I pray that you would make us committed to you to stand firm in our faith. Lord, save us and forgive us. Help us to see that you're in control and follow faithfully in obedience. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to come down front. If anybody wants to come forward and pray with me, I would love to. You brought your prize. Thank you, guys. It means a lot to be able to look at people in the eyes. Yeah, you can stop it. I'm not going to do... I'm going to do a closing later because I'm curious what... um...